Hello, kiddies. It's me, John Cusier, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And you're listening to We Got the Geek. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Jay Stu coming at you with the lovely Sarah J. How's it going, Sarah J? It is going well. Let me ask you this. Ask away, sir. What can we say about Kim Coates, the actor? We can say, let me see, how can I sum Kim Coates up in one word? I will try to stick to one word because I don't want to go overboard. In one word, Kim Coates is amazing. Yes. And funny. That's two words. Damn it. And excellent. Excellent. And just humble and... A great storyteller. A wonderful storyteller. And just so nice. And so just wonderful to be on a panel with and and moderate for. So, yes. That was a lot. That was more than one word. Sarah and I got to host the panel for Kim Coates at Frightmare in the Falls 2023. And it was probably one of my favorite panels we've ever been a part of. Oh, my God, right? Like, great stories. I tried not to ask stuff that I'm sure he's heard 100,000 times, and I think he was actually happy about that. Yeah, when we first introduced ourselves on the Friday to him at his table about Mm -hmm. Saturday's uh, panel, he's like, just... Please don't ask if we still ride motorcycles. Like, yeah. Because that's been asked ad nauseum. And I was like, yeah, no, you're good. I won't ask that. Because, again, I mean, they were, he and Ron Perlman were both in Sons of Anarchy. Anarchy. And both have been in numerous other, you know, projects and movies and everything. So the two of them have probably been asked, you still ride? Like, a mil- if they had a dollar for every time they were asked if they still rode motorcycles, they would probably never have to work in acting again because they'd be billionaires. Mm. So um, that was the one thing that we definitely were, like, throwing off the table to ask. Um, but, yeah, he was he was really uh, happy with the questions that we did ask and, and talk about stuff. and Told us we did a good job. He did. And then he told us he loved us, which made my day. And he said he was happy with the questions. Yeah, he was really happy with the questions. And um, he gave me encouragement about my own um, career path in acting. And that was very nice because he didn't have to. He absolutely didn't have to. But you know what? He's Canadian. Mm-hmm. He's from he's from the prairies, you know? And uh, But no, he was just the nicest, sweetest human being. And, I mean, if he ever does listen to this, because I'm sure we're going to tag him in this, because I know he has social media. I think mm-hmm. he has social media. I think so. I am sorry, Kim Coates. You have the bluest eyes I have ever seen on a human being. So I've heard you repeat 100,000 times since. Because it's true. They are the most beautiful blue eyes. Like, they just suck you in. Yeah, he was willing to answer anything. He even answered my question about being on Miami Vice. Yes! (laughs) Because that was one of his first... One of his first jobs. jobs In the States. Yeah. You know, and... He got his green card from that. Or his, ag- his SAG card. Yes, sorry. He got his SAG actor's card. Yes. And uh, he told his dad that out of everything he had to to use his pay from that episode for, he came out with, what, $13 and, and some, some change? Yeah. And his dad just was so ecstatic about that because he, that was his first, you know, $13 from acting. Hmm. Like, and that, you know, and when you think about it, like, that's really, it's cool. You know, it's like, yeah, Yeah. I earned this, like, following my passion, working in my passion. Mm -hmm. So it it meant a lot, which is so freaking cool. Yeah. So without further ado, uh, we have recorded the panel from that day, and I, uh, I 
believe the sound quality was pretty good in that room. I hope so. Hope so, too. And uh, here it is. Enjoy. Yes. I, I hope so. Hi, guys. Hi. You don't mind if I double fist it? <laughs> you just go right ahead. For me. <laughs> oh, I say that a lot to my husband. So Perlman can't make it. Did you? Yes. Yeah. I announced it. We won't be afraid. It's just me. I'm so glad Perlman's not here to be perfectly honest with you. I'm tired of talking to him. I've been talking to him since 2008. We started such a bad We're attached to the so fuck that guy. Don't tell him I said that. Um, it's recording. Before we, before we go, yeah. YouTube, you full people to my left. I just want you to know I'm exhausted. Oh, jeez. Yeah. My eldest daughter got married on Friday. Oh, congratulations. Very exciting. Tyler McKenzie Coates. And uh, even more exciting is how much we love my new son, Ryan. Ryan Jones. Beautiful Aww, boy. So beautiful. They've been going on for seven years, so you okay. know, uh, some some of you dads here and, and moms are you have children when yeah. they're of you know marrying age. You you know, and with my wife Diana, we talked a lot about it. And I said to Kyla, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "Of course, Dad will pay for everything." <laughs> but Dad's not paying for a huge everything. <laughs> so it's just, you know, hi Rosie, Rosie funny, there's Rosie, I say hi Rosie. <laughs> anyway, so we discussed what we should do and uh, it was well within the parameters of, of sanity and the party that we had and the people that were there and the time that we had I'm still oh. <laughs> that's it. Nice. I have a 22-year-old daughter, so I'm just uh -huh. waiting for that moment when she phones me from Kingston and tells me she met someone. So. You live in Kingston? She lives in Kingston. Do she you? moved there. No, we live in St. Catharines. Does anyone else live in Kingston? I know there's a couple of people are from Kingston. No? It's a beautiful city. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> gorgeous. It's gorgeous there. Yes, yeah. tragically. Yeah. Yep. And Judah, Judah Brian Tom, Adams. Judith Thompson, great player. Yep. Did a couple of plays. Yeah. Judith, she's from Kingston. So, you are born and bred Canadian, Saskatoon. What was that like growing up? Uh, well, <laughs> fucking cold. <laughs> but you know, the funny thing is, when you're when you're born. You are born, and you are wherever you are, mm -hmm. and you are lucky to be born in certain places and unlucky to be born in other places, but you're a human being and you're born. So what I mean by that is we, I knew no different, you know, and it was Saskatoon. As you, in the summertime, you, you couldn't wait to play outside, outside, outside. These kids now on their phones all the time. I don't know how they... How they do anything really? I love my kids. My kids are sick. but honestly, you gotta play outside. You gotta be outside. Anyway, so but in the winter, people go, "How did you, how did you survive the cold?" And I say, "Well, there is no option. Yeah. Either <laughs> and that fucking thing up your eyeballs, not gloves. They're mitts and they're big parkas and boots that you slot, or you're dead." <laughs> You either dress in the weather or you die. Yep. And so there was, and it was the greatest upbringing ever that you could ever have with the friends I still have today. And my mom's still alive. Is you know, Cindy, you know, Rosie, I'm sure you know, Kansas State. Janet is psycho, beautiful stalkers of mine. You know more about me than I do. Uh, mom's still alive. She's 93. Wow. Uh, dressed up. How about that? So that's kind of cool, and uh, I think they're all pretty proud of me, you know, like when I, when I was, when I, I'll never forget, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be a history teacher, I'm going to be a history teacher, I went to college, the best, first one I went to college, and my whole lineage of beautiful family members, anyway, so I go to college, and I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to be a history teacher because I love history so much, I took an acting class for fun. 
<laughs> for fun. I mean, you guys know the story. And I, I knew that I'd meet girls for sure. Because <laughs> I was such a redneck in college. Oh, I'm sorry, in high school. I mean, muscle car, football captain, girls. I don't know. They're scaring me. And so college is a different experience than university. So getting there and taking an acting class and discovering acting, I went to the Edinburgh Drama Festival oh. for my third year, and we won a fringe first for a play called Creeps oh. by David Freeman. Cerebral palsy. I played a, a guy in a wheelchair to the bathroom. They won all kinds of awards around the world. Anyway, we won first place. Nice. I remember coming home from that realizing I have to be an actor. Like, I have to be an actor. I'm an actor. So I remember <laughs> all my buddies who've been paying for my university. I mean, Jesus Christ. They were all working, firemen, teachers, water well suppliers. And I'm in college. Uh, and, and they just paid for everything. Well, they haven't paid for anything since 1991. <laughs> since my career started to explode, that my boys have not paid for a fucking thing. And I'm happily here to say that they have more posters and reviews and of my movies in the rumpus room. It's pretty, pretty proud. Oh, wow. Go see. Now, I understand you also um, performed at Stratford. Yeah. What was that like? I love Stratford. You've been Stratford, right, Pete? Yeah. We're supposed to be there right now. We're supposed to be here. Well, then why are you here? Yeah, because you're here. Wow. That's dedication. You guys have done a rent instead of seeing Kim Coates for the upkeep time? Yes. Priorities. I think. Yep. Yeah, no, Stratford. Who's been to Stratford? His great hands. He's been, yeah, maybe Shaw, right? Oh, yeah. So you get it. I mean, theater to me was everything, my early career. And, and yeah, I remember going to Toronto, right from Saskatchewan. It was either in Toronto or Vancouver. And Susan Wright, the late great Susan Wright, is gone now. Uh, she said, you're coming to Toronto. You're going to meet Gary Goddard. Gary was just super agent man. Smoking, fat. Fucking aggressive. Relatable. Huh? Relatable. Relatable? <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I remember walking in and he looked at me and said, Because you're 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 gonna you're you're gonna be a movie star. We're gonna get you to film and TV right now. And I went, No, we're not. No, we're not. We're gonna do more theater. He went, I said, What? I said, Yeah, more theater. <laughs> And so we did. And so 1985, 86, I was in Stratford. Wow. Uh, I was the youngest Macbeth ever. I was 27. Wow. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty place from day to day to the last symbol of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death out. Out, brief candle. Life is but a walking shadow. Poor player that struts and frets itself upon the stage and it's her number one. It is a tale told by an idiot. Full of sound and fury. Signifying nothing. That's it. Oh. Wow, I haven't done that in a long time. So, you know, basically all the New York agents saw that. I'm like, well, you're coming to New York now. <laughs> and I did, and the rest is history, right? I mean, it just exploded for, for ten coats, but it's theater. That's how I became the actor, I'll tell you for sure. It's amazing. Wow. Cool. Now, the first place I remember seeing you in a movie was The Last Boy Scout, and it's it, that movie always brings me joy to watch, always puts me in a good mood. You, uh, you were telling us a little bit downstairs uh, about the death scene. Uh, I personally think it's it. the greatest death scene in a movie ever. Yeah. Uh, what was it like working on the movie and, and working with Bruce Willis? Yeah, uh, you know, Bruce is a pal. We know Bruce is going through some struggles today. He's got mm -hmm. the, the, the life card that you don't want to get, and that's very sad because he's a beautiful, beautiful man. Mm -hmm. But uh, back in the day, and he'd be happy that I'm talking about him now. Um, he, uh, yeah, Bruce Willis, I get the part. And so I shoot scenes, but it's uh, Marion Doherty who cast me. He's gone now. And, you know, in the Oscars, when someone dies in memoriam, they, yeah. and Marion Doherty is like that dinosaur of a, of a casting person. So she always knew that I was going to make it. And so she cast me in that when Tony Scott is now gone as well. And I remember, uh, <laughs> I just remember 
fucking coming to set and you know I'd I, I been on Broadway and Street Journey Desire Stanley Kowalski and Bathwish you know so the people kind of knew I was kind of a guy of repute you know and and they, they treat me with respect, but the, the, the hair and makeup and the wardrobe could give a shit. So I remember trying on this wardrobe and the shoes were really slippery. Really slippery. And I remember looking and I had this little honey wagon and my bathroom knew nothing about I'm in Hollywood, Mom. Dad, I've made him a Hollywood little fucking space. And I remember coming up going, Hello, hello, and it wasn't running around, big movie, all that. And I said, my shoes are really slippery. And the, and the gal said, just just scrape them on the gravel, put some Coca-Cola on the bottom of them, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so we did the first scene with Damon Wayans outside of, for those of you who remember the movie, oh, yeah. we're outside of the newspaper. I'm getting a newspaper, he's getting a newspaper, and me and my two cronies are coming up, but I know he doesn't look that tough. And, uh, this and blah, blah. Anyway, and I'm punching Damon right in the like, punch him. And so we did it two or three or four times. It's all going really well. And Tony Scott comes, okay, great, great. We go, we go, we go. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's go. Now, kid, let's really go. We go for it. We go, we go. Yeah, we go. We go, we go. I mean, I think he really wants me to go. So we go to the cameras, and I fucking went to punch poor Damon, and my foot slipped, and we're in the back. Oh, oh my God! Oh, sunglasses on, sunglasses fell on the ground. I'm going. I'm done. I'm <laughs> fired right now. Oh, and I see Tony Scott and, and <laughs> Phil. Oh, what the fuck was his name? Douche. <laughs> anyway, anyway, too much. It's all social media now, which is rude. Anyway, punch them. I'm in silence. The stunt guy comes over and goes, Coach, it wasn't your fault. And Coach said, You fucking told him about your shoes. It's not your fault. It's okay. It's not your fault. Anyway, Damon was a real, real man. Real man. He was fine. And we got to continue. So I didn't get fired. About four days go by, it's time to do the big pool scene with Bruce Willis. Yeah. So, do you guys know what happens when a movie star comes on set? Do you, oh. do you know what happens? Oh. Yeah. Don't look at him. Like so, not, not maybe so, something like that, but no, this is what happens. Because now I've learned <laughs> that I'm bad blood. Yeah. Oof. The last person to come on, thank you. Last person to come on set is the number one on the call sheet. So, bad blood, oh, anyway, there I am, I'm at the, the pool, it's beautiful, it's getting late, and everyone's coming, and and the last person I was Bruce Willis. And so Bruce Willis, and I'm just so fucking excited, I'm a fan, and I'm playing the guy, I was gonna punch him, we got a beautiful scene together. <laughs> and Willis comes in, and, and um, Tony goes, hey, Bruce, Tim Coates, and and he, he, he did shake my hand, but he didn't really look at me. And I thought, oh wow, he's being all mad about me. <laughs> so fucking cool. And then we started talking about the scene, and he kept referring to me as he, him. He didn't call me by my name, which I never did, by the way. I always call people by their names, no matter how internal I am. I don't like to use the word method because these kids don't even know what method means anymore. They don't have no idea what it's like to be a character or how it means to feel from the inside out. Anyway. So Bruce and I are doing the scene, and it's going really well. And it's over a two-day period. And on the second day is when I'm going to die as one character, mm-hmm. Chet. And it's a cigarette scene, one of the most famous scenes in movies for sure. I mean, that scene is, like, iconic. They teach in an acting school, I've, I've been told, which is kind of cool, how to, ste- how to steal a scene from a movie star. That's all right. They teach it. Bruce knows about it, too. We were buddies. We talked about it. He's pissed off. Anyway. <laughs> He's so pissed off. And, and so we're doing a scene, and it's time for me to die. And so Willis goes, okay, so then I think, I think he, I, I, I know, I bunch his nose, and I think he, he just falls into the pool. And I remember hearing this going, falling into the pool. I had to fucking change a hundred times to to do it over and over, and I said, and then so they're gonna set up for that, and everyone just kind of, and I grabbed Tony and I said, Tony, Tony, nothing for nothing, but I don't see it that way. 
I don't see it that way. In front of how you see it, mate. I said, I think I just fucking die right there on the floor. And he goes, okay, wait, 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 Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. Ken's got an idea. So an idea. I'm going to try it. We should try it. And, and Bruce kind of stopped and went, you know, and, and Tony said, just, just, can we just, and, I, and honestly, that scene that you see in The Last Boy Scout was all me. That was literally, he busted my nose. I fell down like a 12-year-old boy on my ass. I paused just long enough, and then I flopped right back. <laughs> Cut, everyone's laughing, Willis went, hey, hey, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So that was it. That's how that whole scene came about. That's fantastic. Awesome. So kind of a cool little story. Yeah, I like that. Now, I have a question. How did you um, find the switch from theater to film? To be, because I mean, in theater, your your motions and your actions are larger. That's not true. See, that's not true. If I say, I, oh, I will yeah. say, I will say this though: that yes, stage is stage. I mean, you you have to play to the last person, to the first person. So yes, but but exaggerated, no. Right. I, I just had a voice that all great trained stage actors have. You make sure you can be heard. But I was as internal as you could get. I remember I remember doing Dracula in Atlanta and uh, the scene was at the Alliance Theater, a, like 1100 seat theater, fucking massive balcony in the whole deal. And Dracula's the lead, but he's not really in the play that much. Like they talk about him all the time. When he finally enters, it's the greatest entrance in the stage. Good evening, Dracula. And it was just, and the thing, and the thing, long nails, long black hair, no. So, so I'm just, but I remember going that when Wilhelmina gets bit at the end of the second act, this is the climax of the movie until the stage goes through my heart in the third act. In the second act, this was everyone in the Van Helsing, they're all fucking running around, and I come and Wilhelmina's under my trance, and she comes down, and she's in this beautiful, beautiful negligee. And I remember rehearsing this, going, well, this is the way this is going to go down. I'm going to pick her up, and I'm going to throw her beautifully over the edge of the stage. So, so I'm facing 1,100 people, and Willie is now on the floor, and her head is slightly over the stage. And I crawled up her like a lizard, like a lizard, and I did my, my nose was in her, in her, those parts, and it came all the way up, and then the negligee came up. There was gasps in the audience, and I was miked because it was like, and now, by the bonds of blood. <laughs> and it was so fucking sexy. And I had this microphone, it was all over the theater, so my point is, you can, you can make sure that you can be real with stage, and do it with stage. And I had blood everywhere. I got eight to ten phone numbers a night. Average, <laughs> funniest thing ever. Oh my God. I, I had a dresser. And her name was Jennifer. Jennifer. We always go, we have seven tonight. <laughs> we have six, we have 12. Those are all phone numbers. Wow. And I, I insist on rehearsing at nighttime um, at a coffin. Yeah, it was really a, a, a great, great time. But no, the difference, and you guys know this, I've talked enough about this. But stage is stage, it's real. There's no cut, no cut, can't mm -hmm. do it. It's like beginning to end. And it's magical, and it scares the shit out of me. I went back to stage a few years ago with this ginormous play, and I don't have to do theater anymore, and I was sold out. We won every Tony. We won eight for eight Tonys. We, nice. We, yeah, we wiped up everything. You, you couldn't get tickets. It was called Jerusalem by Jess Butterworth. Yeah. So Mark Rylance started it, and I, I did it with Mark, and he passed the baton to me. It was a beautiful thing. Film and television is simple. You ready? The great, great film actors, the great women, men, actors, are not acting. They're being. When Kim Coates gets his scripts and Kim Coates learns his lines, Kim Coates forgets his lines. <laughs> no, you have to. Yeah. You have to. You have to know them. Mm -hmm. But you can't say them the way they're written or they're just going to sound like you're... Right? And, and, and I might say exactly what the writer said, but I've forgotten them because I know them so well. You, you, 
should drink film acting. He should, like, when, when Cindy and I are talking, we don't know what we're going to say. But I'm listening. And I'm going to react by what she... Great acting is listening. You have to listen. If you listen, and then you react, and you rehearse, and you're just in it, it's not about saying the lines, but you have to know them. So all that stuff in Bad Blood, all that stuff in Sons of Anarchy, all the stuff you guys know me from, some of it's ad-lib, some of it's written that way, some of it was a little bit different, but it doesn't matter. If you're a great actor, you need to just be. You can't act. Like, people go Waterworld. Like, Waterworld's one of, you know, people know. You guys know Waterworld, right? Yeah. I was just a baby. I was 30. Costner, wow. Love him. Buddy of mine. And that accent, I made it up. It's kind of Irish, kind of Welsh, kind of Irish, kind of bad, kind of amazing. <laughs> but I was so fucking in it. I was so lost. I lost so much weight. I, I was just... They, they came up with... The costumes that I came up with this rubber thing over my finger, so it would stop me from picking my nose. <laughs> so if you have to watch that movie, I just was fucking mental. <laughs> but it worked because people thought, "Oh my God, he's so over the top!" But it's fucking brilliant because that's the homelessness part of that man who was mentally incapacitated but needed to survive, was strong and wanted that tomato plant and wanted to sleep with everybody in that boat. He had it for decades. <laughs> what a great part of that. That's so much fun. <laughs> but trust me, I learned those lines and I fucking forgot them all. That's all made up. I mean, anyway. I forgot the question. <laughs> theater and TV. So yeah. that's, that's the difference. That was a great story. <laughs> Finger condom from the bar. That's the thing you're probably wearing. Those things they give you, you cut your hand open. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sorry, those random bar stuff. <laughs> Are you upset you're not a history teacher? Am I upset I'm not a history teacher? Regrets? Uh, I have no regrets. Absolutely not. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm lucky to be invited uh, to talk in all kinds of classrooms. And uh, history is one of my favorites. And when I go back to Saskatoon, they're like pulling me all over the, the map. Good time? Can you? Would you? But uh, no, my respect for teachers in today's climate, with all the, 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 the not so shit that's happening in the country I live in right now, yeah. the shit in Florida, the crap that people are getting away with, with this incredible decision of like uh, people that hate. The rhetoric, you can't read Romeo and Juliet anymore. What is happening mm -hmm. in that yep. fucking country? Yep. Yeah. Right. So, I, I have no regrets, but that's a great question. Uh, my question is about Resident Evil Afterlife. Uh -huh. What was it like um, being on the set and like with all the special effects and everything? Like, How did you end up getting that role? How did I end up getting the role? Yeah, how did I end up getting the role? Honestly, oh, that's a unique role. I certainly didn't, didn't audition. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty fucking lucky to invite me to the party. Um, no, I knew that. I knew that it was a futuristic, weird video game type movie when I could drive a plane without ever driving a plane, taking off from a ship and landing on a ship. You go right away. Well, that's. Not real at all. <laughs> so we're in a fantasy type world. And so I, I took it as an opportunity for comedy and more comedy and more comedy. And they just let me go. They just let no no direction by Anderson. Just let me go. It was yeah. kind of fun. And Mila Jovovich, how beautiful is she? Oh, she's and how good is she? Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. A strong, smart, gorgeous woman. My God, she just ran that set. It was just a joy to be with her every day. Yeah, it was really. I love that movie, nice. and I loved you in it. It was nice. so great. I love the Resident Evil series anyway, so yeah. it was awesome. Um, now, Sons of Anarchy. Mm. When you were cast, did you do any um, looking into or research into biker gangs and clubs. the hot clubs? I, yeah. <laughs> I'm old school. I 
I don't know. Um, and the hierarchy in the club, I know. Thank you. Um, and did you research like the hierarchy in those clubs? No, it's, very, it's, really, it's really simple. You all know the story. If you don't, I'll tell it one more time. It's going to be boring in the past. Other people know. But they, they shot the pilot without me and Ron Perlman. Okay, so they shot the pilot. There was a different clay. There was a different tin. It was a call to use called Hawk. They shot the pilot. When I went into audition, it, it, it was really funny because uh, I was such a film guy, film guy, film guy, film guy. And finally, was, I did arcs on TV, but I never wanted to be a regular. I didn't want to be a regular. I just wanted to do my films and my movies. And finally, this thing came around called Sons of Anarchy, and my agent said, this is going to be, you know. And my wife went, could you just, I went, okay, I'll, I'll audition for this, for sure. So I auditioned for Clay. I was too young. I auditioned for Bobby. I, I wasn't that Jewish secretary thing that Boone did so fucking beautifully, right? How good was Boone in that show? Guitars, guitars. Yeah, well, the guitar had nothing. To, I had to sing like Elvis. They loved that. But anyway, I didn't get anything. It's fine. I didn't mind. It's fine. Two months go by, and uh, I got a call. I was on the golf course. And uh, it was from all my agents and managers and my wife. And I, I don't answer my phone when I'm golfing. Golf was over. I was four hours late. And I find out that they were auditioning. That's a lie. They, they wanted me to come in and see Kurt Sutter at 11 o'clock that morning because they had recast to reshoot the pilot. They had made a mistake with Emilio Rivera, who, yep. if he's not the greatest actor in the world, he's certainly one of them. Mm -hmm. He was cast as the original Sergeant at Arms, Hawk. And they realized the Mexican heritage that he is would fuck up the Mayan thing that they had going on. So they just said, that's not gonna work. And then the guy who played Clay um, was not right. And Katie had no chemistry, it wasn't right. And, and, and John Langraff, the greatest CEO, runner of the studio ever, put all the money in the middle of the table. Said, we're going to reshoot the pilot, we're going to recast Clay, Ron Perlman. We're going to recast a different name, Tate Kim Coates. So I had no, I saw Sutter that day, I was really late, and they were waiting for me, and there was like a, a, a hubbub of people, and I remember going into Kurt's office, and Sutter goes, you ride, you ride, right? You ride. I go, yeah, I fucking ride. Goes, so, so tomorrow, we're starting tomorrow, you, you have a ride. I said, Kurt, I ride. <laughs> I really ride. And they started telling me about this guy, Tig. And I turned it down. I said, I said, it's not, it's, it's not for me. It's too violent. He said, I can't really show you anything. And I said, well, well you got to show me something. So he showed me something. And it was that scene where I talk about the, the gals that I'll fill with tig juice and bleach and I'll bury them. It's funny and yeah, there you go, sir. That's a pretty sound girl right there. That's a pretty sound girl. Anyway, I, I, uh, I said, it's not for me. Sutter goes, no, 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 no. You, you've got to play this guy because this guy is going to be psychotic. He's going to be tough as fuck. He's going to shoot first. And that question, whether he's going to be the moral compass of the club, he's going to love animals. He's going to be funny. He's going to cry. You've got to play this guy. And that was pretty powerful shit to get from him without any lines. Talk about no lines. He just said, you have to play this guy. So I remember walking. I didn't, I'm going to tell you too much now, but I'm going to tell you now because I can talk about this. This stuff I can't talk about. I can talk about this. So I remember sitting in the corner like a little kid in a birthday party, and no one knows them. And, and, and well, they knew me, but they weren't paying any attention to me because they had shit to do to get ready to film the next day. Anyway, um, I got a call from my agents, and they lowballed me. Their offer was like just really not great. So I left. And I didn't say goodbye to anybody. I didn't go back to see Kurt, nothing. And the greatest thing happened between 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. that night. And then I realized if, if they really wanted me, then they had 
to pay me. And they had to make sure that I was on the same level. Like there was Charlie, Katie, and Ron. And then there was about four people in level two, and I needed to be part of that level. Then there was a three and a four. And I don't mean it as in talent or it's just the way the money kind of breaks down in a first time series like that. So I made sure I was in level two, and they said, you know, so pissed off. They went, okay. Well, we're only going to guarantee Kim seven out of thirteen instead of ten for for yes. Well, and I looked at my people on the phone. Looked at my people I talked to on the phone going, "Say yes. They're going to want me in all the shows. And they got me in all the fucking shows. So yeah, man. I mean, but so no, I had no prep. I had you know, I've sent a couple of photos from my mug shot from Suns. That was day one. I was clean shaven. Fuck 90. Short hair. I knew how to ride. I, I knew a bit about the HAs, but not a lot. So, no, I knew nothing about TIG. And it, it did. It took me a, about, I mean, it's so funny because Charlie fucking hung up. I love him so much. They were they were so they were so happy to have Ron and me on that show, knowing that it got picked up, yes. knowing that they're gonna go with these two guys who are icons in films. Ron's a fucking movie star, yeah. and I certainly was working on being a movie star at that point, you know. So they were just going, wow, and that Charlie dumped stuff in my trailer, dumped stuff, DL. Dumb stuff. Talked about rings and what it meant. You couldn't wear four rings. You could only wear three. Four is like a knuckle duster. You see, that's an illegal. Anyway, I learned. Uh, I was like a learning machine for, for about a month before I started to feel that I knew what I was doing slightly. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Like, to get into that. It was That's cool. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. Well, yes, that is true. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I've seen you a number of times, obviously. And I've, but I've never seen you do this, what you've just done now, where you go right into character and then you come back as a character and you play it in the past. I've never seen you do it live in person before. Um, so my question is, has anyone ever asked you, but has ever any, had any of these questions asked you to go into a, a T character like that? Like you just did? No, not really. And I and I, and I won't. And I, and people, the, the big joke is, you know, skin Stella. You've done Stella. I said, no, you had to pay to see me on Broadway to do that 132 <laughs> times. Yeah. No, I'm not making like, that. Yeah. And that's fine. I don't mind. I've never seen it. I've never seen anyone ask it before. I thought that was really cool. So thank you for doing that because I've never seen it. Yeah, no problem. I don't know why I did it either, but it was. It seemed right. Spur of the moment. Oh, yep. You've been talking short. So I had this written down and you answered it. So it said, when you read a script, do you get to like change the scene as you just said with the last? Um. Yes. So I guess I have a question. Will you do Bad Blood Two? You mean will I do Bad Blood Three? You mean like three? Yeah. yeah. Can you continue? No. Oh well, uh, you guys know the story. I mean, it, it got canceled. I mean, it was because of COVID. I mean, we were. How can we help to get it? Canceled? <laughs> <I know. laughs> you know, like honestly, you guys, it, it was such a huge hit, and Netflix won. They we won all those awards, and you know, best actor, best show, best writer. It was really exploding at the right time, and we had one more season, and the season was going to be pretty unbelievable, really. And we were going to wrap it up the way we wanted to. It would have been seven more shows. Wow. It would have, and it's so violent, so beautifully violently <laughs> in the steps of Notre Dame in Montreal. But it wasn't to be because, because COVID, because it's still a business. It's a business. And you guys have been a part of uh, people on the internet or people that vote for us or call you know, save the show, save the show. I'm too old to be that guy. Yeah. All my producers tried. We did try. But Rogers moved on. Netflix moved on. It is what it is. Now, that said, Mark Montefiore, every time I see Mark, even though I look like I'm about 107 right now, every time I see Mark, he goes, Jesus Christ. You look fucking great. You think that like in 2029 if they have 
no, not only can you do it in 2029, it could be Declan four years later, yeah. five years later. You yeah, know? I'll work for you. Oh, well, you're too expensive. Sarah, you're too expensive. <laughs> we have a question right here. Yeah. And then, yep. I love the show because I even was able to point out show, like areas where you're filming in Toronto and Montreal, and I just want to say that was an amazing show. Yes. And my question is, what was it like to work with Katie Siegel? Because I love Married with Children. Married with Children. I love that show, and I was just wondering if you're a fan of it and what it was like to work with her because of it. it's such a different like A to B character from her to go to that to this. Yeah, I think it's pretty pretty obvious that Katie's not getting cast as Gemma. Unless her husband was the showrunner of the show. She's not ever going to get cast as Gemma. And the irony of it is no one could have done Gemma like she did Gemma. That's why that, if I may, that's why that show was one of the reasons why it was such a hit. Like, look at all the ten leads that we had. How different we all really were. Tommy with the scars and Booney and me and... Theo learning how to be a fucking actor and now he's so good today. Oh my god, that kid. Yeah. He certainly learned his craft after a while. And Charlie, how pretty and talented is that guy? <laughs> Maggie and, and Ronnie and Face Only and Mother and Love. I mean, come on. We were, we were all cast really brilliantly. I really believe that. And that was one of the kids. He was amazing. Yeah, we had a great time together. We didn't have a lot together. But I will tell you, tell you this, that there was a moment where, you know when Jimmy Smith gets introduced in the fifth season, I think? Fifth, was it the fifth? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, right? Yes. Katie's getting, she's, you know, taking it in a bad way, and she's... Season what? Sex, I believe. Five. 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 And I ripped off my patch, and I gave him my patch. and said, I'm done with you. I'm done with what you're doing is so wrong. You're, I'm, I'm done with you. That next season was going to be me was going to maybe Tink was going to side with Gemma and get together with Gemma and really get together with Gemma. And I, I, I think for me, I, I'm not sure I would have liked that only because Perlman was still my president. He was still my press, even though he's fucked up. He was still my, we didn't know about that stuff against Maggie and, and, and Carol. We didn't know the, the depth that he had gone to to save his presidency and all the darkness that he was all about. But I uh, it didn't go that way. And it was fine with me. I, I, I just, by that point, season five, when my daughter dies in front of me and the Pope thing and the whole Pope thing, there was no more to write for for Jake. He, they were done the Jake story. So six and seven were just. Um, I was there to support everybody. Really, Tommy and Tommy and um, Venus was a big thing. That was a big love story for sure. Thank God I had that. That was crazy. Love Walter. That. that was like phenomenal acting. Yeah. Thanks. Walton. How good was? That was how good unreal. was Walton? That was on that one scene with you and Gemma. I just wanted to say the episode that yeah. I'm on right now. That was a good day. Good day work. Huh? The episode that I'm finished watching right now, like rewatching, yeah. is when uh, Tommy off Jack's is best, you know, Opie. That's who we got oh. revenge on. So I'm at when they met the bastards at the warehouse and everything. Right. So that's where I'm. Don't remember any of it, but good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on up. What was it like working on Goon and. Uh, like it was really good. Are you a hockey oh. player? Yeah, I, used, I grew up playing hockey. Yeah, yeah. I don't play anymore. Don't play anymore? Well, you know, I was a Canadian boy. You're yeah. I'm a hockey guy, true and true. <laughs> so when I got offered Goon um, as the head coach, because as my Canadian he said, you're way too old to be a player. So they're giving you the, the head coach, and I said, as long as I get sweatpants, and I can wear my CCM Super Tax that I've had for like for 40 years, I'm in. <laughs> and I said, yeah, please do. Oh, it's so much fun. It was so, so great. That's awesome. Thank you. Anything else? Do you have any other little questions before we wrap this up? Oh, you have a question? I have one question. Mm -hmm. If a movie of your life was being made today, 
Who would you want to play 30-year-old Kim? Wow. 30-year-old? Wow. Oh, good question. That's real good. I don't fucking know anybody, but... <laughs> That 30-year-old would have to have blue eyes. Yeah, of course. A bit of a fucked-up, busted nose from hockey fights. <laughs> curly hair. And don't be an asshole. <laughs> like, be a real fucking guy who understands that women are the best species in the world, and they are by far. And be, be kind and smart, and don't be afraid to fail, and... And sit down with me, and let's nice. talk about what a 30-year-old Kim Coates was like. Good answer. That's awesome. Because yeah. people really think they, they know me, or they don't ever want to get to know me, and they'll never get to know me, because I'm, I've got my own life. I've got my life. Mm -hmm. But I do think that they get to see me through my, my work. I think they get to feel me through, their work, through my work. Mm -hmm. I mean, Declan and the Drifter from Waterworld and Resident Evil, bullshit bad producer, King of Sorrow, which was one of my all-time movies that was never seen, that thing was so going to win every award at the Toronto Film Festival, and I was so scared. It's like a taxi driver. If you haven't seen it, it's on Tubi. It's called King of Sorrow, granted. It's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your mind what happens in that movie. That cop, a dark cop. But a cop with a heart is, is unbelievable. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe we, we, we would We would sit down, Cindy. It's a great question. But I don't, I don't know the actors like you guys know. I don't, I don't, I don't know who these guys are. Let's pick Charlie one. Charlie couldn't pull it off. Huh? Charlie couldn't pull it off. Charlie who? Charlie couldn't pull it off. Charlie, Charlie's too old now, yeah. you know? Charlie's, I mean... Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I, I recently rewatched uh, Miami Vice, and I think that was maybe one of your first roles. It was. Uh, what do you remember about working on that show? It was pretty cool, actually. I was, I was, you know, in New York, and I'm on Broadway, and I get an equity card. And now you're cast in in uh, Miami Vice with Don Johnson. And it was, again, one scene, two scenes, small. But I got to join SAG. I had to hire a lawyer. My New York agent hired a lawyer to get me an O-1 visa. I'm a Canadian boy. And my dad is gone now. Dad's a beautiful, beautiful soul. I ended up, at the end of doing Miami Vice, by the time I paid the lawyer, joined SAG, I made like $18.57. And my dad would go, Kim, that was the greatest 18 bucks you've ever made. That's the greatest 18 bucks you've ever made. Yeah. And he was right. I joined SAG, I got a lawyer, I got this one visa, because the great thing about America back in the day is they really wanted... They weren't afraid of, of, of people coming to their country if they were such a great nurse or a great actor or a great painter. You could get an oh, you get because they wanted it full of, of talented fucking people for sure. And uh, so I'm always grateful for America for, to give a Canadian boy like me an opportunity to uh, to really work in that country That's awesome. and pay my taxes happily. And, how lucky was I? But you guys all know how much I love, you know, this is my country, right? And so I, I come home all the time to work here all the time. Awesome. Well, thank you so Anyone much. Anybody have any questions? or? I have only seen you on movies, things like that. Uh -huh. I don't know much about you, uh -huh. but as of this, I'm sold. Okay, I kind of have like a generic question. So, for Sons of Anarchy, when uh -huh. you were filming, what was the, your favorite episode you ever filmed? Ooh. I don't have favorites. <laughs> I, I, I really truly don't have favorites. You I don't have one time no. on set where you were like, this is it, this is like the prime of like. No, but I will say for. No, not one. I got to tell you, I, I remember the uncomfortable movies I've done or the. 
bad behavior by certain actors. I remember, but the good ones, maybe, honestly. Because those are kind of more out of your comfort zone, probably. Well, just out of, when I'm acting, when I'm in it, I'm just in it. I'm just in it. And I love talking about it, and I love hanging with people I want to hang with, and then it's over. It's just over, because I just, it, it, you can't, if, if you don't learn how to get rid of it, you can't come home after Dawn dies in front of me and I'm chained like an animal and, and she's burning in front of me. How, who writes that shit? Yeah, and take that Who's home. And take that home. Work. Of that, course. You know, and my wife the other night needed to be in my, home, my motel in downtown L.A., in the, in, I was in a really grubby part of downtown LA. Like, I had a bodyguard. So maybe the most memorable moment, Um, One of the most memorable? I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's so many. Yeah. I love the mushrooms <laughs> moment. You know mushrooms <laughs> The reason why I love the mushrooms mushroom moment is not even really what I did, but I remember Ron and Opie were done for the day and they wanted to stick around to see what I was going to do. And they just wanted to stick around to see what Coach was going to do. Wasn't it half sack there too? Half sack was there too. And all those little dolls in front of me and whacked out on acid and making fish noises and stuff. I don't know what I was doing. I didn't plan any of it. I'll take that. And I was not high on mushrooms. That was a good one. I can't tell you what I was doing, but I wasn't high on mushrooms. Hey, we gotta go. What's the last one? What's going on? I was just wondering, have you ever been at home watching a movie and you see your name in the credits and you're like, I was in that movie? No. You get her and I don't have Alzheimer's. Not yet. No, I I I Reaper Reviews episode? No. Okay. You guys know that Theodore Rossi and I can, as we say, the whole Reaper Review. And, and we'll end it on this. I mean, okay. look, Sons of Anarchy, I never, I never watched the show. What? When I was doing the show, I always saw every first show, every last show, and a few sprinkled in, in the middle because honestly, you guys, like, to tell you the honest truth, it, as an actor, as a lead actor on that show, I, I knew it was a big hit and I was so proud to be in it and grateful and they're lucky to have me and I was lucky to be in all that. But the editing and, and stuff and what they kept and what they didn't keep, not many of us watched the show when we were doing it. But to be asked by Theo fucking Rossi to do that goddamn podcast and I actually said I would because it was COVID and it was changing. I saw every show. I watched every show and I made all these notes. Wow. And you know what? It was a good show. <laughs> I, was, I was so pleasantly surprised at the, at the level of love that you all had for that crazy show. What yes. a show that yeah. was. My goodness gracious. <laughs> Okay, we're done? Yeah, yeah. thank you so much. To hear more We Got the Geek, check us out on www.wegotthegeek.com and on iTunes.